Hey, this is Steph from Coffee Like Media. I'm so glad that you're listening to the Geopaths episodes. Wanted to give you some information on current projects that I'm doing. You can go over to stephfuccio.com to see all of the productions that I'm working on. There's two specifically I'd like to tell you about real quick that I think you might like. If you're curious about ChatGPT and other AI use for content creation, it's coffeelike.substack.com. In that newsletter, you will find the audio, video, and written form of all the episodes that I'm creating there where I'm experimenting with using ChatGPT for content creation purposes. Also, I'm venturing into sound design, doing my own meditation podcast. It's called Solo Work Life Meditations. And if you work from home alone or you're a solopreneur or freelancer, I think you'll find the topics and the vibe of the podcast episodes to be really soothing And of course, if you need help with any of your podcasting needs or know anybody that does, please send them over to me at stephfuccio.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O. I do momentum calls where I help people get unstuck from their podcasting struggles and podcast audits and things like that. After seven years of content creation, I am very much so here for you to help you get your voice your stories and your messages out into the world in whatever way I can do that. Thank you so much for listening to Geopats and I look forward to hearing from you. Bye. Stop worrying about progress. Don't worry about getting fluent. Just worry about getting better and do the things that you can control. Like stop thinking I need to have a 15 minute conversation. Just think about I want to take two lessons this week. Hey there, this is Stephanie from Hearshare Productions, where we offer accountability coaching, podcast editing, and more. I am pleased to share another episode of Geopath's Language. Welcome. This is where languages connect us to people, places, and cultures around the world. In this episode, we are going from Germany to Germany and back. What? Okay, look, I'm in Berlin, Germany. Kirsten Cable is from Germany, but has lived in the UK for about half of her life. She is the host of the Fluent Show podcast, author of the Language Habit Toolkit, Fluency Made Achievable, and the Vocab Cookbook. She is a native German speaker, and she comes from the beautiful Moselle Valley. After studying six languages in Germany, she moved to the UK and learned four more, including her language crush of Welsh. And we will talk about Welsh later on and the whole relationship analogy in a way that I think will tickle your fancy. (laughs) For those of you that have been listening to the podcast since April, you've heard me talk about the German Uncovered course. Kirsten is actually the instructor in that course. And so I have been listening to her not only through her podcast, but also in that course since April of this year. And if you haven't guessed yet, I do highly recommend the course and I'll put my affiliate link down below for you because I really think if you want to learn German, this is a fantastic way to get started. Finally, Kirsten has teamed up for the third year in a row to co-host the Woman in Language Conference that's coming up next week. I'll have the link down in the show notes for you as well. The masterminds behind that conference are Kirsten herself, Shannon Kennedy from Eurolinguist, and Lindsay from Lindsay Does Languages. You can find the full show notes, links, and more for this episode at stephfuccio, S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O.com forward slash geopatslanguage forward slash 31.
Thank you so much, Kirsten, for joining us on Geopath's Language. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, let's do where you are, then we'll do who you are in the language space. So where are you physically right now? I'm in Canterbury in the UK. Where have you lived or traveled extensively in the world? Just a quick rundown of your geopathness. Most of my traveling is probably in Britain, in the UK, and all, most of my living is in the UK. I'm coming up, I'm not that many years away from half my life being lived in the UK. I grew up in Germany, in the Moselle Valley, which is quite near Luxembourg. I moved to England when I was 20. I lived in the northwest of England, in Lancashire, which is very different to where I live now in Kent. And I lived there until three years ago, and then I moved to Kent, which is southeast of London, sort of the little foot of England near France. And I've traveled in most of Europe, a little bit China and Central Asia. I, I used to go to Kazakhstan a lot for work, and I've been to the USA a few times. That's about it. Wow. Now that's a lot easier to summarize than the giant footprint you have in the language world. So let's try to do that now. What do you do in that space? I basically started as a German online tutor about eight years ago and sort of started expanding out, realizing the the turning point about how I work for me came when I more and more realized that there is really nothing I can do to teach somebody German. There is all I can do to help somebody learn a language and learn German. And right from the start, I am very much into languages and I've learned lots of languages myself and I continue to learn languages. There's something that really excites me when an adult picks up a foreign language when they don't have to, because we don't have to. We just still something makes us do it. And something magical about that achievement, that commitment, that desire to communicate. It's, it's really, really special. It enriches your life. As a learner, it enriches your life as a as a tutor. So over time, I've gone more into a more into the role of a, a language coach, if you will. So that I work with people on really what makes them learn languages and how to get best organized. And most of my communication with people, I used to blog more, but I'm I've been. For, for nearly 200 episodes now, I've been podcasting, <laughs> yes, uh, I host, I make a podcast and host a podcast called The Fluent Show. And that's probably what most people know me for now. Right, right, right. 200 episodes. When do you hit your tw 200th? We're hitting the 200th. It's well, we've, we're doing we're doing a live stream and the date for that is chosen. So that is going to be our party. And I think it's probably going to be our episode, just like the live stream recording. That's going to be on the 9th of October. And if anybody wants to come, I've got a landing page that I've now set up and it's fluentlanguage.co.uk slash 200. We'll have so, that in the show notes. Yeah, because yeah. I don't know whether we're going on YouTube or on this place, that place. Who knows? Um yeah, yeah, I can't wait. It's gets exciting. Amazing. I remember episode 100. Now we're on episode 200. It's crazy. I knew about, saw you, listened to you before I moved to Germany. But it's really, really when I got here that I really started to pay attention. Because I was studying Mandarin Chinese for a few years. Mm -hmm. And so I was I was paying attention more to people that were, were playing with that language. And that's way before you started learning Chinese, I think. So when I yeah. moved to Germany, that's basically like a couple months in is when you started to be my accidental language teacher through the German Uncovered course. <laughs> <laughs> I signed up through it. Ollie Richards had a special, like a COVID special, a lockdown special. So I was like, that's it. 
my in-person class is gone. I'm going to do this. It has a community aspect online. And lo and behold, you were in all the videos. So you were my teacher. And I was so That's happy. Yeah, I made that course. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. <laughs> but the thing I've always liked about how you approach language is that motivational side. And I love listening to your episodes on The Fluent Show for that very reason. That point you just talked about, about that you can't teach people German, but you can mm -hmm. help them be motivated. Was there any single thing that happened that brought you there? I don't know whether there is something that I can specifically put my finger on. It's just many years of one-to-one -one tutoring and realizing the service that I actually provided for people wasn't so much the content of German. I think that's that's an error we all make. We think that learning a language is essentially just uh, getting a lot of content into our heads, right? If I read the rule of how the genitive works, I'm going to understand the genitive. But you know that's not true. You know that's not true, right? Otherwise, nobody would make mistakes. So the real language learning process is getting over all the mistakes that you make, dealing with the challenges of it all and learning how it all comes together, putting it all together. So the more I thought about it, the service I was providing for people was much more a service of accountability, of normalizing all the problems that they had, of to a certain extent permissiveness, but at the same time also a challenge and recognizing when they're not pushing themselves anymore and then pushing a little bit. And sometimes that can mean, okay, do you know what? We're going to just do a whole lesson on hypotheticals. Cool. But ultimately, everything in language learning needs to be so much more connected than the one tutoring session a week. And that's what I like about German Uncovered. And that's what makes, I think, German Uncovered, if I say it myself, a superior course to, to most other courses because there, there are a lot of different aspects and they're all connect, right? There's a thread that goes through it. Can I stop you for a second? When you say connected, do you mean connected to other parts of the language they're learning, connected to their lives or connected to something else or all of the above or something else I haven't said? It is something that I do more in a, say, a one-to-one -one or a group coaching environment. It is impossible for me to do that because I, I don't have your life, right? So what I do there is more prompt and guide people and kind of put them in a position where they start to have to think about how it connects to their life and that helps because not, it's not obvious for everyone. Not everyone's you know, an American living in Berlin going, <laughs> but the other connection is the way that you've got grammar, you've got vocab, you've got the pronunciation, you've got talking, you've got the exercises. But in German Uncovered, for example, we've got a story that goes chapter by chapter by chapter and connects it all together. And sometimes you'll have a course where you get a real life connection, a real life reference. But it's so important in my mind to take all those different aspects that you learn and really connect them all together. So something I often do is, is tell people if they're self-studying and they're doing a lot of reading to bring more of that into their lessons so they actually talk about it or to handwrite or type up and journal a little bit more about what they experience in their life, what they've talked about, just so that things start linking up a little bit more. We experience our life and express ourselves holistically. And most textbook courses just just go from small dialogue to small dialogue that don't really connect and no, nothing's, it's just like, huh, you might want to buy a jumper. Huh, you might want to take a taxi. 
or you might not who knows yeah. who gives, like nobody cares like nobody gives a f fuck so you said i could swear i did <laughs> yes but you need to find the point where you actually i'm gonna enjoy this give a fuck right and then <laughs> and then it gets better and then it gets easier and then it gets more more powerful and more enjoyable and we're actually having fun with a language yeah. rather than going like oh yeah i've done 40 flashcards today wow yeah congratulations what what does that mean nothing well, even in the best textbooks that i used even when we brought over like from one lesson to the next we'd review what mm. happened in the last one to start out the new class it still would like jarringly go from weather to restaurants to jobs to like it would switch so drastically yeah. from one subject to another which is fine because some of the some of the uh the language and the grammar carries over and some doesn't but it's just ah oh, yeah the connected parts are are so much stronger i think they stay longer it helps you go deeper it's difficult you know from a teacher's perspective it's difficult to design a curriculum where you know, and this is because of external expectations, because of the way the level descriptors are designed, because of the way that you need to, you need to have something that people can take and tell somebody else I'm at this level or tell somebody else, okay, I've done this much, right? You need to equip people. And we tend to equip people with, a certain set of basic vocab, right? We, we don't want to leave people without being able to say that the sun is shining or even if nobody ever needs that for their life, nobody ever needs to say the sun is shining. It's fine. Look, you got a weather up, just point. It's fine. But for some reason, that is, for example, that or how do you book a hotel, which again is ridiculous as if we I don't have online check-in. lessons. I know. Yes. And it's it's very, very difficult to create something that it is still important I think to be able to have the language to get through some sort of a transactional conversation but how do you tie it all together and I think this is something that I can take I can have German Uncovered take credit for that I didn't do so I don't feel awkward that I'm self-praising too much because <laughs> I am German is that the, the way the story is designed the way the story content is designed gently gives me points to jump off in the lessons so that it doesn't completely seem out of context i'm like oh yeah okay so in the story this happened let's talk about the weather but i can just kind of it just weaves it in a little bit if you need it you go oh okay i read about this here and it's not unique it's not a unique way of working like my husband did german 10 years ago maybe more i always joke when he still loved me he did german and <laughs> He, uh -oh. <laughs> he no no <laughs> we're happy it's just he doesn't speak that much of him. uh he did this thing called deutsch plus which was a course from the bbc and comes with the, the cheesiest videos you can still get them on daily motion deutsch plus videos and they follow the story of nico aus rumanian nico is a volunteer and Christian remembers so much of the language from those videos, doesn't remember much out of the textbook, but he and I sat together and watched the soap opera of this guy called Nico. It's not the same guy as in Nico's Vic, which is a different soap opera everybody watches. Weird. Anyway, <laughs> we watched watching this guy Nico's story. You know, it's 
there's something about it it's so different that was the same reaction i had too i told you about the mandarin companion graded readers is i was reading a story where i wasn't even necessarily into the story but i got into the story because the characters really jumped out and i really felt the pain they were going through in the, the particular story and so when i was when we were moving to germany before i even signed up for the course I got a graded reader that arrived like the last week we were in China for German and I was so excited and I started to try to use it on the plane, but it was so inferior to Mandarin Companion. It was so inferior to what I later discovered with German Uncovered. It was so bad. It was almost like bad textbooks in a story. Like it was different snapshots of his life. Like he would talk about the weather in one chapter. He would talk about his coffee in another chapter. But it was just, it was so boring. Whereas the the Mandarin Companion ones and the German Uncovered, it's like people talking to each other and there being an actual movement in the storyline. And I was just like, how did they get this so bad? (laughs) And I'm not, for that reason, I'm not mentioning where that book came from because I don't really need to do that. But it was just amazing to go from that good of a greater reader to that bad of one and go, oh, I thought greater readers had just been elevated. I thought that was kind of the consensus across the board is things have just gotten better. And I realized that was not the case. Yeah, the graded reader is, is something that I have seen, I think Amazon and self-publishing has done a lot for the graded reader because you can you can make good money if you just put one out there. And I think there is a lot on Amazon where it's you can make good money because you're throwing out a graded reader because we are hungering for... Hungering is that a verb? We are hungry for <laughs> interesting content that we can actually understand in a language that makes us feel like, okay, I have accomplished something. And that sense of accomplishment, I often... That's something I really, really work with people on to... to and when people come to me and they say, I don't want this level and I want this level and I want to be that level, it's usually, it's not about the level. It's very rarely about the actual level unless they want a job or go to university or get some kind of scholarship. But that's the minority of people who are just picking up a German book or a French book or Japanese. And this is why I can work with people no matter what language they learn because that is universal. What you're looking for is a sense of reward, a sense of achievement. And where you're looking for it is in an external validation that often doesn't even really discover it, just deliver it. It's that ability to be able to do something with the language, it sounds like. You know you're the mistress of my heart. Hey, it's Steph, just popping in. No matter if you are a language teacher, a language coach, a language learner, or a language curious person like myself, you might actually want to start or refine your language podcast. And if you need help with that, whether it be through editing, planning, distribution, I can help you. At Hero Share Productions, we like to do these kinds of things, especially with language podcasts. So do head on over to stephfuccio.com. It's S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O. Take a look at what is there and let me know if you'd like more information. I would love to hear from you and what ideas you have for your language project. Let's get back to Kristen. But tonight I won't play the part, no. Did you get frustrated when you were tutoring and that's what led you to the motivational side of it? I think so. I was already writing about, I was always really interested in innovative ways of doing this. And I was never, I have never been a classroom language teacher. I did it for a little bit just because I wanted, well, 
I wanted to make more money for per hour <laughs> compared to what I was charging before. And also I wanted to provide a more affordable way for students because where I was living, I would have never, ever gotten enough students to, to help me make a living. It would have been impossible. I was in a small Northern English city. It just wouldn't have worked. So I went online really quickly and I started doing groups really quickly. And I could see week by week by week who's bored, who's excited, what is working here. And yeah, I think it's the long-term students, the people who I worked with for maybe two, three years that made me realize how little input I actually have as a tutor in terms of content. If they learned something, they would learn it off lesson and then deepen it in lesson. Well, that begs the question of, is there a place for language tutors or is it really the content and more of like a language coach that's needed? I think there is absolutely a place for language tutors. I think language tutors do well when they, well, when the student takes responsibility for their own learning. That is step one. You must, as, as a learner, yes, you're, a, you're still a solo learner. Just because you've got one tutor an hour a week, you're still a solo learner. So act like a solo learner. That is really important. And tutors then are you can either really guide the student come up with a whole program your student needs to buy in because as a tutor I've done that thing where I got really excited about the possibilities came up with this huge exciting you know like and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and I've done your curriculum and oh how exciting and then the student just wasn't interested in that because that's not they didn't really want to work what happens is a lot of students want to buy language rather than actually learn language and because it's hard I mean. it's really hard it's not it's just slow oh, it's no <laughs> yeah, and, and here's the distinction I should have made earlier in the episode I am on the side of believing that just like physical ability people do have different cognitive abilities for language I know that's mm. hotly disputed in the polyglot world language world blah 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 everywhere yes. there can be an opinion about that there is but I have seen, I was a classroom language teacher for like 15 years and I saw people struggle like I struggle and I saw people not and I saw everywhere in between and they were doing the same things in and outside the classrooms. Like I asked my students a lot of questions about their process. I would show up early and stay late and I was very curious about how they were getting where they were getting to and it just, between that and my own experiences with the same amount of, of work, sorry, I'm going on a rant, but we're very, very comfortable with thinking that athletes clearly have a physical advantage in addition to hard work and and quote-unquote normal people don't necessarily have that physical aspect that they have but we're really uncomfortable with it mentally for some reason I don't know whether we are because I've spoken to too many people who just hide behind I don't have a talent I don't know whether there is a cognitive advantage and I'm not going to go into you know that either but I do think some people naturally are naturally attracted to it I think so, some people just have a fascination and that means you probably from very, very small have been noticing so much more. So it's not that your brain is different, but like you're just a different house for the language to come into. Oh, right. I like that. So I don't know, maybe maybe you have a carpet and the other people. <laughs> <laughs> and to be clear, I'm not saying they should use it as a crutch. If they do have no. a lesser ability, they shouldn't use it as a crutch. You can still get yeah. far. So but I think the talent conversation, when I hear Americans speaking about talent, I often have realized that for Americans, it, they include training in that as well. Well, I don't know. Like when they say talented, they mean accomplished. Whereas 
when I hear talented, like at least as a German, I don't know, like I hear naturally gifted, in, intrinsically superior. Whereas in the USA, I've heard people use it as, as accomplished. I don't know. Maybe I'm just misinterpreting this. I can't speak for that many people that where I'm not even, I haven't even been for a while. Yeah. The problem with the discussion of innate talent is that if we say there is innate talent and we overstate it's important, then the absence of innate talent instantly becomes the reason that for some reason, none of the native English speakers have got any talent at all, but all the Germans massively, like we're very talented. How is that possible? I know, I know, I know, I know. That's that's that can be a very, very slippery slope. And I don't mean it as a crutch to not learn a language or languages. I, I just mean it like when we're talking about setting up things to help people learn languages, I feel like it can be discouraging by not recognizing there might be differences because the the harder the people that have a harder time learning will see the people having an easier time learning and start to get defeated. Like, oh, I can't do that. I think you've just defined the problem with classroom lessons in a way because they're, they're too one-size-fits-all. So when you're asking, is there a space, is there a point in the one-to-one -one language tutor? Again, massively so because students need the individual support. So wherever it's possible to be able to get that, to have a tutor who brings empathy, who brings comprehension, who brings their own reflections on what learning is like and then can guide you or can let you basically drive That is, that is extremely powerful, but every student needs something slightly different. So as soon as you put 20 people, it doesn't matter if it's language or maths or whatever it is, as soon as you put 20 people in a room together and you tell them all to do the same thing, of course you're going to get different results because they're different people. That's true. However, even if you're just getting one-on-one -on -one tutoring or if you're solo studying alone without a tutor, when you're telling people, I'm learning this language inevitably, the first question they ask is how long have you been learning it? So immediately there's that pressure of them wanting to know how fast you get there, how fast you get to fluency. And if you say, oh, I've been studying this language for a month and you're in that restaurant for that, you know, that cuisine is that, is that culture, people will be like, oh, go ahead and order for us. And it's like, well, what? Depending on the language, that could be very difficult to do in that short period of time. Yeah, also that might have not been what you studied. Exactly. So, I mean, there is this kind of societal pressure to get there fast. And that, I, I will admit, that might be an American thing where how, how fast can you achieve a goal? I think it's also... The perspective that with, with language is a weird one, right? Because we can all do it. We can all speak a language. We forget the fact that it took us about 10 years to be functional humans that aren't complete and utter numpties. And, and I think a lot of people have got memories of learning a foreign language in school. So again, oh, well, it only took me a month to learn this rote dialogue. That's not the same as learning a language. And also, it's really easy. It's, it's really easy when, you've, when you're at the end. Like, I've been learning Welsh for five years. It's really easy for me to forget that that took five years. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I have no idea what my level is. I have no idea what the real results are. I haven't really looked at that. But if somebody... I know I can switch into conversation and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I think particularly for the early learners, it's a really tricky situation to be asked, like, how have you been in Basically, any non-language person asking you anything about languages, because as soon as you, someone, like, if you're like me, where it's like, I like languages, people go, how many languages do you speak? And I'm like, well, what is speak? Let me give you the seven-hour 
you know, lecture on what speaking and fluency really are. Nobody wants to know. I just go, oh, I've studied about 10. End of, end of discussion. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, man. <laughs> Passion on both sides. I didn't realize I was going to turn this into my own language therapy. I'm sorry. <laughs> but these are things that have come up for me and I've seen come up for my students in the past. And it, they are things that I think feed into the lack of motivation that could creep up and take over language learner. Because... The, to be quite honest with you, the, the thing is, the thing that kept me going in Mandarin, despite my gigantically long stall now with it, uh, which is purely for whatever, life reasons, is a complete and utter fascination with the script. Like every time I got frustrated, I would go back to something that would remind me, like I would start to draw some of the characters or do something that would reignite why I started in the first place. And I wonder... I wonder how often people do that when they get discouraged and, and to start to stop studying a language. I wonder how to keep that motivation going. It's not a simple question. But one of my top tips is go back over exercises that you found difficult half a year ago. You'll instantly realize that progress is there. It's just that you have to understand that progress is slow. And the trick, if at all possible, is to... A trick, not the trick, is to stop worrying about progress. I said it in the podcast this week, and it's something I got from an interview once. It's such a good thing. It's don't worry about getting fluent. Just worry about getting better. And do the things that you can control. Like, stop thinking, I need to have a 15-minute conversation. Just think about, uh, I want to take two lessons this week. That you can control that. That's a lot of the work that I do when I, in, in my programs with people. Can we dip into Kirsten, the language learner, and figure out how you got such a grounded perspective on this? Like, when did you try. learn? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Sorry, I put a positive overlay on your language learning experience. Let me back up. <laughs> Can we dip into... <laughs> See, and I am equating right there. I'm equating your success in being fluent in multiple languages with you having figured this out. Because you must have gotten past your own motivational things in order to get to fluency. I don't know. That could be a bad assumption. Am I at fluency? That's, a, that's an assumption, right? You're at least at fluency, in, fluency in German staff? and English. So you've at least got two. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and then the episode got really long. Let me, let me ask a different way. Let me ask a different yes. way. Can we dip into you as a language learner and try to dig into a little bit of how you got these grounded ideas about motivation? So first for and sure, foremost, for sure. what was your first... Okay, your, your mother tongue is German, correct? Yeah. Okay, what was your... Yeah. I'm glad you didn't say yain. <laughs> and, uh, that's my new favorite word. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, I know that exists in English, but I feel it's more powerful if I use it in German because it's not. Yeah. What is yain? It's like yes and no together, right? It's I don't kinda, know. kinda, isn't it? Yeah, it's like yes, no. It's like, yeah, it's kind of maybe, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm using it correctly. I just like the fact that it exists. Anyway, point being, so what was your first non-German language? Informal education. In my schooling, my first foreign language was English. Quelle surprise. And uh, yes, by the time I started doing English, this was in secondary school. So it was after I went to the big school when I was 10. Um, I'm from a very small village. So I, in my primary school, there might have been like 100 kids, something like that. So that's the language you had to take. What was the first language you wanted to take? It was a conscious choice because of some fascination. English? Couldn't wait. Couldn't wait for English to start. 
Really? Could not. Oh my god! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Why? I was so excited to learn English because of the cultural dominance of English. <laughs> you know, because it was because I knew it existed and I knew there was this whole world out there and it was kind of like, you know, I grew up. I'm an. I'm born in the eighties. I grew up watching Night Rider. <laughs> Oh my god, I used to love that show so much. Didn't Me didn't, too. didn't didn't yeah. <laughs> tune. Oh my god, total tune. So it, we we you know, watched Night Rider, watched the A Team with my, my brother and you'd hear music like the most of the a lot of the music in on German radio was in English and stuff. So it's just there's so much particularly American and I think Germany has got Maybe less now, but Germany for a long time, for many, many decades, was really enamored with the USA, probably because of the end of the Second World War. And we had a lot of, we had more c cultural uh, influx of that. And where I live was, I believe, used to be French occupied, but then also really close to American occupied. And the French were kind of, they were much more minor. So there's like air bases around where I live and stuff like that, where I used to live. So by the time I started learning English, I knew so much about I I could not wait. I was so excited. And from day one in English, I was getting A's all the way through the board. I loved it. I loved it. So I have to ask a different question. Have you ever felt a lack of motivation in learning any of the languages you've learned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two years after I started English, I had to take Latin or French. Two years in. And that's when you hit the motivation wall. Not the motivation wall. I don't, I don't ever, I didn't ever worry. It was like I went to school. It was a school subject. Motivation wasn't really a question. I mean, I had to do like maths and physics and chemistry. That's where I had a motivation wall. Never had a motivation for chemistry. Couldn't wait to drop it. But French was like, I like chemistry. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> It was so fascinating. Physics, I hated because I. No could one not has do. ever been asleep more in chemistry lessons than I have. Oh. I think. I, oh yeah, yeah, really good na napping material. I was useless. But yeah, let's let's do a quick rundown of the languages that you've learned or try learned or tried to learn in your life. I'm going to try to take notes, but I know this list is long. Let's go. Not as many, not as many as you think. I'm not Richard Simcott or anything. English, just schooling. Then French, schooling. Then Italian, schooling, but it was like voluntary afternoon lessons. Do you want to do this? That was the first time I realized that, yeah, if you will give me more language things to do, I will do more language things. This is cool. Then I, two years after, stopped doing Italian. I think they stopped offering it or something. And started adding, I added Latin. So French and English throughout, always. Um, then I took three years of Latin. Then I did the Abitur, the German school leavers thing. Then I went and trained as what's called a Fremdsprachensekretärin and Europasekretärin, so a, a foreign language uh, secretary. Basically, I did secretary training, like proper, like, this is how you should air the office and this is how you should prepare for your boss and... For a certificate, because certificates are key. Yeah, yeah. and touch yeah, typing. Yeah. yeah, Germans love paper. So in that, but I took it kind of for the languages because it was really intensive English, really intensive French, like translating news article, underlining, writing a lot of business correspondence, everything. 
And it was Spanish. So I took conversational Spanish for two years. At the end of that, I transferred myself, more or less. I sort of made up a... Really, my university in England made up a degree, took me into the third year of a modern languages degree. That was Then I was suddenly learning French through the medium of English. That was the main change that year, but I dropped Spanish. It wasn't there anymore. And then I graduated, and then I don't think I did any independent language study because I wasn't used to it. And I never... I'm not the person who would have taken more languages outside of school. I was already doing a lot at school, and I don't think that I thought that that was possible. So wait, so far we have English, French, Italian, Latin, Spanish, but you mentioned Welsh yeah. earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what other, don't worry so much about the time frame, but the other languages. Okay, so as independent, tried Polish, failed. Then did Russian, about two years of very kind of lazy Russian. I dropped Russian for Welsh, really got into Welsh. And then I did, and then I added Mandarin last year. So I'm doing, at the moment, I'm kind of actively doing Welsh and Mandarin. I am conversational-ish in Spanish with a patient person. And I can definitely, um, I can definitely speak French and English. So why did Polish, yeah, why did Polish fail? Why did, yeah. I think Polish was the one where I didn't understand how to learn anything by yourself. I think Polish was the first time I tried to do something out of the institutional environment. And Welsh is really my language that was where I didn't start with formal classes or like classroom anything. Russian also kind of, but I think Russian and Welsh taught me how to learn a language by yourself. And at the same time, I was also tutoring. So I saw people learning a language by themselves and that taught me about how people learn what I saw with other people. The whole polyglot thing started to become more of a factor in my life. And then I also learned more and more and more about what keeps me going and what is important to me and what works and what doesn't work. I can hear you gently bowing on your valley. Hey, popping in one more time for a language event that I think you'll want to pay attention to. So first, some general information, and then I'll pop back in again and give you the more specific information that I think you will really enjoy. International Podcast Day is September 30th, and you can help spread the word. You may be asking, what can I do to get involved? It's pretty simple. Head over to internationalpodcastday.com and check the suggestions. Then use hashtag internationalpodcastday to join the conversation. You can reach out and connect with other podcasters, listeners, and your favorite podcast hosts. Remember September 30th, International Podcast Day, a day-long celebration of the power of podcasts. Okay, so what does that have to do with what you're listening to today? Well, on September 30th, in just a few weeks from now, at 7 p.m. German time, which is 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the U.S., and let's go forward to, and in Hong Kong, that would be 1 a.m. So, with all those time zones floating around, what is happening? International Podcast Day, which you just heard about, 
is happening, but I am leading a language learning podcast panel with who may you ask? <laughs> this is the fun part. Kirsten is one of the panelists, as is Azrin from AzrinTheLanguageNerd.com and Chanel from Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast. All four of us are going to be geeking it up about our language learning podcasts. I hope that you will join us for that session. There is usually a very lively chat room during International Podcast Day. So although you can't join us audibly, you can listen in and you can join us in the chat room. I would love to see you there. Seriously, September 30th, 6 p.m. London time, 1 p.m. New York time. Let's just say that. (laughs) You can get more information and read about all of our panelists at International Podcast Day on September 30th. I'll put that link down in the show notes for you. I really, really hope to see you there. Let's get back to the conversation. That's no sin. Whew, that's a lot of languages. I'm but, sure I've forgotten at least three. Oh my gosh, seriously? Okay. Yeah. But only, only two. Only two are non-Latin script, only. I don't know, I'm a bit, I'm a bit Euro, Euro girl. <laughs> I didn't I didn't expect to fall in love with the Celtic language, but totally did. I mean, the t- when I started studying Mandarin this time around, it was the third time I had been in a place that used it. And I did not even remotely think it was going to happen. Um, it's weird, isn't it? it it's, it's really like, weird. it's like falling in love. Yeah. Maybe languages have hormones. I think they do. Maybe that's the secret science we need to uncover. Could be. But why was I attracted yeah. to it that time and not the other two times? My, my theory is I had to actually break through with computer coding for my PhD program. And then having gotten comfortable, not good, because I can do something and want to do something, I realized are two very different things. But I think breaking through with coding made the characters less annoying and more of a puzzle for me. And I think that was part of it. And then going from puzzle to fun to being able to type in them and feeling like a huge accomplishment with that, I was like, oh, I like this. So lower pressure from the outside, from other people on what you can and can't do? No, I'm the very visual person. And being physically comfortable with looking how coding looked and understanding what it was doing helped not helped with the fear of the script of the of the Hansa characters. Yeah, because I instead of getting like being like a deer in headlight with the characters, it was more like, oh, I wonder what that means. Or I started to study the radicals and I would kind of guess from the components what the meaning might be, even if I didn't know how to say it or what it meant in that specific combination. So it became more of a game because in coding, I had to move things around and test out different parts of the code. So I started to do that in Mandarin. And that's something that just happened the last time. I didn't have that breakthrough in coding the first two times I was surrounded by Chinese. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, it was it was less pressure internally of what does that mean? I can't read that. It's not phonetic, although it kind of is. It, I, it wasn't a phonetic system I knew. Yeah. So it was weird. So then it started to kind of invite me in. And there was that kind of romantic like, hey, want some more? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's for me, it's like when I'm learning Welsh and it's like, hey, I've got, you know how, you know how you say Cardiff in Welsh? You say Cardiff and I'm like, oh, right. Do you know, hello, right. tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know the word for last night? It's Nathior. And you're like, what? <laughs> there's just something, there's just something about that. Lindsay and, Lindsay and I, Lindsay, my co-host on the Fluent Show, we once said like, I, I was like, 
oh, I love a good roll doll and I just love a fricative. And she's like, yeah, nasals, that does it for me. <laughs> That's so, so funny. Every language has got something for someone. It's got something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, it's like, it's, I call it like the drawing of the characters. I, I, I don't do it with pen and paper so much, but I do it sometimes with an app and I get into such a meditative state when I'm, when I'm doing it and I I just find it so much fun I I I dream of those kind of parchment papers with the big brushes and like a calligraphy class but it hasn't worked out with time place and price yet somewhere in the world but I just I love the just writing the characters it's so much fun so yeah Mm. there's something that has to pull someone in and keep them in because similar to the love analogy that I love where we're going with this (laughs) there has to be a strong thread that keeps going not just something that not just infatuation at the beginning. Yeah. A friend texted me recently and said sort of, oh, I'm worried about losing my fluency in German. Uh, someone who doesn't live in Germany. And I sort of, like, this is an advanced learner. So I sort of said, but you know what to do, right? You've done it before. And as we were chatting, I kind of, my feeling was, oh, I think you've just, I think you've just lost your passion a little bit. And this is the thing. We think we're lacking skill. Sometimes, but we we sometimes lose passion and try to get it back via skill and it doesn't work. Man, that's good. Yeah, it's true though, isn't it? It's very true. That's why I'm sitting here going, my gosh, not only is that, <laughs> not only is that the teaser to the episode that's going to the beginning. So that's, what I, that's why I work with people differently in, in many ways. That's why I don't sit there and expl- I, I'm very good at explaining Almost all, every German grammar rule you can ask me and I will always give you an explanation that makes sense. But that's not, that's that's not, not what help. you need first. No, no. What you need so first true. is passion, self-compassion and a reason. A reason. I was going to say that. You've got to have a why. You've got to. And, and in my classrooms, that was a huge thing. If a lot of people were just there because... Okay, some people were there to meet other people because it was kind of like a club and they, you know single and that's fine because that's still a motivation you're still needing to use the language in the in the pair work <laughs> to meet the guy, that guy across the room but and some people weren't they were like I just I want to do something and without that goal it was easy to get off track yeah it's tricky yeah. and I think a lot of people when you say you need a reason I really want to clarify the reason is not Oh, because this has so many million speakers and it's going to be useful for my oh, career. Oh, that's not, yeah. Like, that's not, no, that, that's, that's not, not going to swing it. That's not a goal. Where do you want to talk to all those people? Do you want to talk to them online? Do you, What do you want to talk to them about? What topic area are you going to be having that conversation in? Because looking at, like, if somebody's interested in sports, I, was, I would try to get them, like, stuff in English that would be sports-oriented that they could understand. Like, trying to get that connection early on because... Without that, you can't keep the relationship going. Yeah. Do you like the Smiths, the band of Smiths? Okay, so Smiths have got a song called Panic. And I, I recently used a lyric from it in, in something else because I, I run a membership for online teachers on how to, get, how to get your marketing and your business side set up. And in that, we talked about content. And there was something about the content that I keep thinking about now for language learning as well. They've got this line in there which goes, burn down the disco, hang the blessed DJ because the music that they constantly play says nothing to me about my life. And I keep thinking, <gasps> what does it say to you about You're your hanging life? the language teachers. Is that what you're doing in this analogy? No, no, no. It's just, <laughs> it has to say something about your life. 
And can I just say, Morris is the singer of the Smiths, like Morris is a dickhead. So that's just to be said. This like 1980s amazing poet has turned into an absolute racist, bigot, horrible person. Anyway, it has to say something about your life to it does. you. Otherwise, bin it. Exactly. So Polish wasn't a fail. It just wasn't for you. I had. I have lots of reasons why I should learn Polish. Not should. I have lots of reasons that would attract me to Polish. I just, at the time, I think, was occupied with other things and wasn't really... Like I said, I don't think I really understood what I was even trying to do. I think all the way through my schooling... My way of learning a language has been like, oh, coasty, coasty, do the homework. Da, 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 da. I now know a language. It just because language, what we don't, what we don't understand about school in in hindsight is that it gives you so much time to just even in French. I I finished secondary school with a D, and j'encore pas français, and and I'm fine. I can talk, right? It's fine. Just don't stop. That's just don't give up. Don't stop. Keep going. Trundle, 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 and you'll eventually get there. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Less oh exhausting, though. Less exhausting than the marathon? Uh, I mean, I think so. I think it's more rewarding. It's less damaging, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the damage a marathon does to your knees. I know the benefits also, folks, so please don't mention me and tell me. <laughs> yeah, don't at us. Don't, don't at, at us. me. Yeah, I just heard that recently. Is that a thing people are saying now? Don't at me? Yeah, I, I love it. Let's talk about the Fluent Show. Let's talk about it. What do we talk about? There's so many episodes. How do we do that? Have I made too many episodes? Do I get to stop now? No. And just you, like coast no. around? Once a podcaster, always a podcaster. You're done. You're in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've noticed this. What do you want to do in the future? Here's where we're finishing. What do you want to do in the future of the Fluent Show that you haven't done yet? Yeah. What I would absolutely love to do. Every now and then I do an episode where... I take the Zoom mic, the mobile Zoom mic, and go, either I'll do an episode, I've done it at Langfest, I've done it at various different events, every now and then I do, well, every now and then, I've done it once, I've done like a Vox Pop in my town, where I just went out and asked people in the street, and it was so, so, so cool, and there's something I really, really want to do, I have spoken to this lady, she was a heritage uh, this, well, two a pair of researchers Petros and Katie and they're researchers who study heritage languages and they told me about complementary schools sort of like Sunday school in Polish and stuff and there's a lady in my Toastmasters club who volunteers at one of these schools so I was like as soon as I can I'm taking that mic I'm going to your school I would love to do so much more field reporting so much more to a certain extent storytelling stuff and interview more super cool people i would love to get more academics on the show i'd love to become a little bit more like the show what are they called now because language no are they i think they're called because language now they used to be called talk to talk oh i didn't realize that was a rebranding i thought it was a yeah, new podcast yeah. same podcast uh, well they've gone off radio i think they've gone off public radio that's why okay yes. Because yes. they just had David Crystal and it just started. And I was like, how did they get him so fast? How did they? I, know, I was like, okay, you got <laughs> David Crystal. I'm never listening to your show again. But then I did because it's great. What? How could you dislike David Crystal? No, no. I'm just very jealous human being. Oh, okay. I was inspired that they were like five episodes in and got him. Okay. But now I know it's not five. Meh. No, no. It's more like five million. And um, 
and just I think that to have more of a link into academia and the way that they do the what they do I think is so important which is also what I want to do on a podcast and what I wanted to do on a blog always is to link the research and the kind of highfalutin how we think about all this and bring it into people's lives so I would love to do that and something I am starting to think around is well maybe to do a coaching just to do a little bit more formal coaching training because I think I have a lot of I, I draw a lot from that I have a lot of the skills and the awareness I'd love to do more of that so that I can take groups and perhaps experiment around if they ever let me nurture not that I'm dangerous or anything but I'm silly and I swear fucking hell to do all this work around the inner reward and the meaningful learning and the value of just doing something that is so cool and to realize how cool it is when you've learned a foreign language and this feeling that look because because this is something I think in my own life is like look I'm fluent in French I can pretty much do anything if I could get myself to hear with French really I'm kind of capable of anything and it's a personal motivator for other aspects of my life and I think there's so much value there that you could take into schools, you could complement language lessons and give people a whole different drive, an entirely different drive. So maybe in the future, that's something that I that they'll let me do. So you don't have many plans for the future is what you're saying. I have too many plans for the future. <laughs> That's a, no, that's a long that's way off. That's beautiful. That's but beautiful. yeah. So we'll get to yeah. we'll, we'll we'll do episode two hundred and we'll do a quiz and then yeah. we'll see what happens. Basically, <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's so funny. No, I had when I stopped teaching, I still had a desire to inspire languagey stuff, but I honestly, I got pulled into the podcasting about the same time and. I still have a thing where I feel like I want to get fluent to a level, not a high level of fluency, just fluent in a second language before I dip my toe into language coaching. Because I think you should be able to do the things you're coaching. Despite the fact that I taught language for 15 years without being fluent in a second language, I just, I I want to get there. So, Arguably, yeah. that's, yeah, that's the mentoring aspect, right? That's like yeah. the difference between mentoring and coaching. With, with coaching, you really work on your coachee your your person to to really draw on everything that they have within themselves to bring to language and i do re recognize that i definitely have an ad advantage and another valuable skill in that i can also dip into the mentoring side and people will ask me like but how would you structure your this and i could say here's how i would do it you know or at least this is what it means to me What's the difference between mentoring and coaching? Sorry, I'm not. It's all a bit. It's all a bit wishy-washy because none of it's really um, regulated. Essentially, coaching is a little bit more on the client-led side, where the client is really meant to do something like on their own, and you work with them on finding their own path. And you, as the coach, do a lot more. I don't know what they call this in in the biz because I'm not formally trained. So please take all this with a grain of salt, a big one, um, a packet of salt. You do more, like the the absolute client-led side that really helps helps a client more with solving a problem is counseling, right? This isn't, it's not counseling, it's more, but it's a similar 
conversation structure where you ask them a lot of questions and a good result is when they say maybe I could do it this way maybe I could do that and you do a lot of do you how do you think you could do that oh what else could you do so you're trying you don't actually telling them what to do but they come away and they go oh Kirsten had all these great ideas and it's like uh-uh you had the great ideas and I get to take the credit like whereas with mentoring you've got a little bit more you've done this and you you have this aspect where you say like oh this is this is what's going to work in this context let me give you some more of the benefit of my experience they're they're both they're very complementary i think and neither of them is particularly it's like more valuable than the other uh they're just slightly different approaches to kind of supporting somebody one-to-one that's just to say i think you don't have to be super fluent in another language in order to support somebody with it. I agree. And I certainly did it in the context I was in before. But I just, I feel like it has more pull, especially in this economy. If I say, I have done this, I can help you do it. Do you know what I mean? It's not just that I've helped all these other people do it in a bigger group context. I can do it one-on-one. But I feel like it's also, I also have gotten some degree of success that I'm comfortable with. Which is funny because a few years into podcasting, I feel like I can do it for, I have been doing it for podcasters, doing coaching there, but I'm still not comfortable 15 years into language teaching doing it for languages. It's a personal hang up. It's it's that, I don't know, press stop, don't put this on the record, but it's like, would a dude have that problem? No. Absolutely not. And I understand that. But I'm also, but I also got super busy with the podcasting stuff and that's starting to become something financially. So I don't necessarily want to stop that to do something different that I'm already iffy about. So it's, it's not just a negative. It's a, it's a hesitation. And I'm, I also love this stuff. Yeah. I think you've got to decide at some point. Well, I sort of, yeah, I'll do like two podcasting sessions a year for somebody asking me about it but it's the same I'm like I love podcasting I know I can help other people I've got such a wealth you know 200 episodes is not nothing but I can't jump into it and and expect to expect to have the same results that I have from six years of building building up a reputation and building up and sharing everything I know in languages and in languages I've also done so much more talking and thinking about it that I've I have come to build my own way of viewing it. So to a certain extent, podcasts are so great for this that people respond to how I talk about it. People, or they don't, but you know, I don't, I never get to hear from them. Bye. So people who respond to it, really respond to it and they value and they appreciate that I'm bringing a slightly different perspective and I'm not talking about, here is your way to optimize your flashcards because I never do. I'm always like, well, why do we really need to optimize flashcards? Sounds really stressful. So <laughs> I get to question for a, for a living. It's great. Yeah. No, agreed, <laughs> agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah, but I have a hard time picking one thing. So I, if one builds up to a certain point, I'm definitely going to go in that direction and then maybe add the other one on later. I just, I don't, I don't want to stop the momentum at this point, but it, it was something that was in the back of my mind for a long time because that was the more interesting meaty part was that one-on-one stuff I had with my students before and after classes I definitely would say like like you were saying it it felt like more it had more power than the the, any great activity we did in class so Yeah. yeah and there's power in claiming that and becoming explicit about it there's a certain element where there'll always be a number of people who just don't recognize the 
that 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 is something that would benefit them because they're like, well, I'm only I only I just want to learn Italian, and you're like, cool, go ahead and learn Italian then. When you get stuck, come to me. But I often say, like when I explain this to people who don't know anything about what I do and aren't language learners themselves, I'm, I'm often saying, I often say that I help people learn languages, and people are like, oh yeah, so you teach, and I'm like, no, I help people not stop, and that's it. And then you learn a language. It's magic. Thank you so much to Kirsten for coming on the show. And also thank you to Damon Castillo for the music in this episode of GeoPets Language. The song we're using in this one is St. Cecilia. And you'll hear the full song right after we're done here. This podcast is brought to you by Hearshare Productions, where we help you plan, create, and get your message to the right audience. You can find the full show notes, links, and more for this episode at stephfuccio, S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O dot com forward slash geopets language forward slash 31. Without further ado, here's Damon. Saint Cecilia, I can hear you whispering my name But today I can't play your game Saint Cecilia, you know you're the mistress of my heart But tonight I won't play the part, no If you love me, cure my ills If you need me, then pay my bills. Well, if you want me, then let me know. But if you don't, St. Cecilia, let me go. St. Cecilia, I have always been in love with you. Though you haven't been as true, Marcus Aurelius. Couldn't end your timeless melody You could spell the end of me Oh, well, if you love me Cure my ills If you need me Then pay my bills If you want me Then let me know But if you don't Saint Cecilia, let me go. If you don't, dear friend, then let this music end. But if you do, show me then. Gently bowing on your violin That's no sin Sweet Cecilia If you don't mind I'll softly strum along I think I know the song Yeah If you love me Cure my Pay my bills if you want me. 
Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. You know what's wrong with health and fitness? You weaponize it against yourself. Why didn't you go to the gym today? You're so lazy. Ah, why did you eat that? You have no self-control. Stop it. At Beachbody, we think training and caring for your body in a way that works best for you should be about loving yourself. Let us help you without all the judgment. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.